Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. You can check us out at westminstereffects.com, and also make sure you join the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. I'm joined in person as usual by... Bradley Cox, with no intro. But oh, come on. You had one last week. What was it? Uh, the MVP preacher. It, the MVP of the National Preaching League as go. bestowed by the All Seven Days podcast. Does you, that, ju- you just need to introduce does that come? Does that come with like a perennial all-star selection? Absolutely. Or, okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So also the lead pastor at Resurrection Church yes. in South Carolina. Thank you. We are joined uh, via the internet by... By Mr. Tardy himself, John Ross, Westminster Effects artist, Augsburgian Christian, and uh, late... Late to sleep, late to rise uh, today. So uh, sleeveless sorry. and <laughs> yeah, we we have the gun the show. Guns. Yeah, well, it was the only thing. I, it was the first thing I grabbed. Yeah, I woke up like five minutes before we were supposed to start recording, and then I had to kill a bunch of time looking for my phone and then getting down here. So uh, yeah, professional. And now I have a plate of like ham and eggs that showed up. So that's cool. There you go. <laughs> I mean, it's a good day, I guess. So we'll ask you questions between bites. Yeah, exactly. Work for me. So, so John, with your mouth full, what did you do at church yesterday? I appreciate that. <laughs> you you did you did tell me you had an adventure. I did. Also, Bradley, last week's sermon on point at Res. On point. Thank you, sir. I appreciate yeah. that. Um. So, yesterday, I was worship leader. And, oh, man, where to begin? So we get through soundcheck. It was Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law was in full oh, yeah. effect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so we we get through soundcheck, and everything's fine. Except we notice that our monitor in the green room and the, and the monitor in the commons aren't working. They're, they're black. Um, now, that gets a feed You know, off you our, fix that. You know how you fix that is you just have one service and no green room, but I digress. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, that's the thing. Like, it wasn't a huge it wasn't a huge problem. Right. We were like, oh, whatever, we can still hear. We've done without it before. Cause like a lot of our video tech and even audio tech was installed like when this service moved into its new space, like over ten years ago. <laughs> so like there's a lot of this gear that's it's starting to show its age, and so we've dealt with it before. But it, at some point, a decision was made in the in the production booth to reset one of our video switchers to try to fix it. Well, apparently, it didn't come back up, and so that decision was made five minutes before the start of the nine thirty service. You know, at which is the most appropriate time. Uh, to make huge, <laughs> vastly, uh, you know, wow! I don't have a. I, there's a word. Uh, anyways, big changes. Not not a good time to do it. You really are not a. I'm trying, right man. I'm trying. <laughs> and uh, turn on self monitoring there, so I can hear myself. Um, anyways. A decision was made to reboot it, and it got stuck in a reboot loop. So 
At this point, five minutes before service, they have to start repatching it all to the other video switcher. Um, and I mean, we give them time. We give them, an, I mean, and I make announcements like, hey, you know, continue to join in fellowship, you know, grab a, you know, grab a cup of coffee, you know, whatever. And uh, eventually we're like, okay, we're just going to do the first two songs, no lyrics, and we'll just send it. And it was fun. You know, I'm fine. Obviously, uh, <laughs> minimal singing uh, in the congregation, mm-hmm. as, as you might expect. That um, sounds familiar. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And we got it back. It, it was fine. And the service went and, and all, all, was, all was hunky-dory, except for the last song of the first service. And we were... About to finish the the last song, which is uh, "Set Free," uh, Matt Redman tune, and in my ears, where I should be hearing um, instrumental, I hear intro two, three, four, and apparently, now nobody noticed, but no, I mean the band obviously did, but. Apparently, the loops had restarted themselves, the, the loops and, and click and guide track and all that. And we're running pretty empty loops nowadays, but there's still some synthy stuff and, and whatnot that's in there. Um, and, well, so between services, we rebooted the, uh, the, the MacBook that runs Ableton. And we were like, okay, fantastic. Screens are still running. Guess what they did five minutes before the, the 11 o'clock service? They decided to, uh, somebody, somebody decided. I'm not going to name names. I'm not here to divide anybody. But um, <laughs> somebody decided mad, to uh, unplug and replug the MacBook uh, to attempt and, and repatch it into the one working video switcher to attempt to get the confidence monitor on stage working because that's so vitally sarcasm. Anyways, um, which then delayed us again. And so we had to, uh, we, we did the same thing. You know, we gave them some extra time and then we were like, okay, we're going to do the first two pieces. Except this time, Paul, our worship arts director, was in the booth trying to troubleshoot with them, which also implies that it was not him who made that decision, and it wasn't. Um, but Paul was also on rhythm guitar for this week. So we... Uh, we just did the first two without him. But when we started the click and the tracks, you know, we heard it start like normal, you know, intro, two, three, four. And then a few seconds later, we heard intro, two, three, four. What? And it did that about five times. I tried. While you're doing the song? Like as we're starting the song, like as we're starting the song. And so eventually, I just turned around and I was in, and I looked at our drummer, and I, into the mic, just so people knew something was up. It was like unplug that that possessed MacBook. I know you guys can't, you know, and I told the congregation, I know you guys can't hear anything, but but there was some messed up stuff going going on in our head because of that thing. Um, so I unplugged it, and we ended up doing the entire service. Uh, not only without tracks, which is fine. We've done plenty of songs without tracks. I mean, we're we are 
reasonably mediocre musicians, we can get by without tracks. Um, <laughs> but without what a does click, that say about us? We never have tracks. Does that mean we're amazing? Must, it must mean. But also without a click and a guide track or, or any of that stuff. And yeah. it was the most organic raw because like a lot of the songs were kind of rockers up, upbeat you know set free um let god arise um even even the even the slower ones uh, scandal of grace and uh beautiful things but then our last one was alive by hillsong young and free which obviously is synth heavy and so spur of the moment without practicing it once it was like Think White Snake. You know, I, I told to our lead guitar, like, think White Snake. <laughs> it was like, uh, okay. And it turned out pretty good. I mean, I was like, Tube Screamers <laughs> for everybody. All right, click them on, let's do it. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it, uh, it turned out. And as it seems uh, to be the trend, uh, a lot of people in the congregation is like, there was something something more genuine about today. <laughs> oh, you mean, you mean whenever, when everything goes wrong, there's something more genuine. But, you know, I think why that is, is instead of in my head concentrating on, okay, uh, I've got to be right on because there's a background vocal part that I've got to nail the melody so the harmony will match, and they're not going to change, so I've got to change if I'm off. And then here's the click, here's the intro, here's the guide, you know, whatever. And instead I'm just like, all right. Let's play some music, and uh, <laughs> and it was it was pretty cool. So something um, something fun about just getting up there and playing music, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as the rest of the service, uh, it was the you know the third out of four of our at the movies series. So your just, favorite. Let's let's just move on. Okay. <laughs> So at so at Res, uh, we had, well, it wasn't Murphy's Law. Uh, we did have our new projector in for the first Sunday since yep. since it died a few weeks ago. That thing is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's a big deal. I think we just didn't realize how yeah on its last leg our other one was <laughs> before it was dropped from fifteen, 15 feet. feet up. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. Yeah. Uh, not not throwing anybody under the bus but you threw it from the ceiling um (laughs) that was that was just a funny situation anyway so but that just helped us out in the long run right new projector is incredible uh i was on guitar bradley you were on bass uh filling in because uh one of our guys ended up going out of town for the weekend and that all went well uh but the i guess you could say the subject of the sermon if we could kind of call it that is going to end up being our main topic today where we kind of let the cat out of the bag uh, for some stuff going on at res and I guess going away from res for a couple people, right? Yeah. So the, I mean, the announcement was that, you know, um, the other pastor here or the other pastor on staff, Keith and his wife, Carrie are going to about a year from now, start another church in Spartanburg, which is, you know, roughly a half an hour. Yep. Or so from here, and um, yeah, so we we announced that, um, told the church about it, and then let Keith and Carrie come up and just you know talk about what's going on with them, and you know what how the Lord's been leading them to do this, and 
what the vision behind the church is going to be, um, the name of the church and the focus of the church and all of that. And then I came up and kind of walked us through a little bit of the book of Acts to simply um, help the, our church see that this is, this is normal. It's not abnormal. It's not, it's not something yep. that we should look at like a cow at a new gate and go, what is this? Why is this happening? It's, it's part, part and parcel with how... I think Jesus moves his church forward is that people are, I talked about the church gathered, scattered, and then people sent. Um, that that's sort of the rhythm, I think, of the church in Acts, as you see the church gathering in Jerusalem, then it's scattered by persecution, and then um, it's amazing to see how Jesus just sovereignly rules over that scattering uh, and puts the pieces together, particularly in the life of you know, a guy like Paul and Barnabas, and then we, we kind of ended at, in Acts 13 where Paul and Barnabas are sent out from Antioch, um, and it's just a really cool story, I think, how, how both Paul and Barnabas get to Antioch in the first place, Yep. and then for Paul's missionary enterprise to begin right there when, as they're praying and fasting, uh, the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I've called them to do, and they lay hands on them and send them, and ergo, missionary journey number one. Um, so that that was just how we rooted what's happening in our church uh, in Scripture. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think it went well. I think it was a good announcement. Everybody's excited. We've got a year to process, which is another good thing. I mean, we're not saying, hey, Keith and Carrie are gone next week. Uh, that would have been a bad move. That would have been a terrible <laughs> move. And unfor- just, unfortunately, churches do that sometimes. And um, right. uh, you know, one of our elders, in fact, in our meeting when we were talking about this prior to Sundays, he said, "You know, I've been in, in several churches where an announcement was made that a significant person on the team is leaving for whatever reason, and it's like the next day they're gone." Yeah. And they're but now we've got twelve months to you know, celebrate, to, you know, remember, share memories, share love, and then also prepare to support this new church that's going to be starting in about a year. And so. prepare ourselves yep. to, you know, replace, yep. I get for lack of a better term, because can you really replace them? Yeah, no. Not really. No. The corporate um, term but, is backfill. It feels more, you know, mm-hmm. There we go. Yeah, yeah but we, we've got a a hiring we need to develop a hiring strategy because it's a significant chunk of our staff that's going to be moving on in a year yep um so you know we're already talking about that and preparing to just get a plan together of what what we need to hire first for what what responsibilities what are our greatest needs we're going to just kind of back up and go all right what do we need kind of get the bird's eye view exactly that kind of thing um i had a question and I'm blanking on it now. Oh, I will say, um, while the the congregational reaction wasn't exactly what I expected, mm-hmm. it was a really good reaction. Mm. Um, what did you expect? Uh, probably something similar to the board meeting or in the life group, mm. where everybody was like, yeah, we're not surprised. Mm. Like, why didn't this happen sooner? <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, not that we're Not that anybody wanted them to go, but... Like we've seen this coming for a while. Yeah. Um, even even if he hadn't been really explicit about it. Um, but when he when he told 
the, when they told the church, everybody broke out in applause. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like that was that was just pretty cool. Yeah. It, you know, you didn't have any like gasps or how dare you or anger. I'm sure I'm sure there's like one or two people who are really irritated about it, but they can deal with it. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the way you know, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but I, I feel like the way we went about it was helpful to the people. Like, yeah, Keith and I as we've been preparing for Sunday, you know, we just decided we're not going to do one of these like cryptic services that build, 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 build up to in, where everybody's got a sense. Okay. Something is about to be announced here, right? but you don't tell them until the very end. We just, I, as soon as I took the mic, I just stood up and I said, okay, here's the deal. We're, let me tell you what, what it is. And then we're going to back up and talk about it. Approximately 12 months from now, Keith and Carrie are going to be launching a church. And the church applauded. And then we sort of let that settle and then talked about it. And yeah. what does this mean for us? And um, how are we thinking about this? And um, I think that was helpful to just sort of I say, too. here it is. I do too. So your, you know, the topic of today's episode, Bradley, was mostly your idea about worshiping through transitions. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been here at Res how long? 15 years. So I've been here six yeah, a little over six years now, um, and and there's already been a few transitions mm-hmm. that I know of, mm-hmm. um, where you know Pastor Bar fully retired, we brought Keith on, and now Keith is leaving, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've you've been through significantly more transitions uh, in in 15 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we? I mean, God, how do you keep your bearings through 15 years of transitions? You know, I. I, I, this topic was my idea, and I don't know that I have, you know, this expert, you know, opinion or advice about it. But it's more of like a growing desire that I have, um, based on some things that I've learned uh, by trial and error. When you when you go through transition, I mean, what, any any type of transition that's significant is going to be emotional. There's going to be some level of pain in it. There's going to be some level of uncertainty in it. Mm -hmm. And um, we tend to resist those things. We tend to want to build our fences, um, especially as we get older. We want to build our fences around what we consider to be safe and comfortable and um, important to us. But when transition comes and those things get compromised in some way or another, those fences get compromised... um, a lot of times we don't handle that well. And I've found that it's in transition that God does some of the most significant, deep, um, what's the, what's the, I'm like, John, I'm, I'm struggling for words today. Um, <laughs> it's Monday morning. It's yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> some of the, some of the most, uh, transformative kind of work in my own soul. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm going through transition, because I'm, when I'm going through transition, I am more vulnerable than I normally mm-hmm. am. I'm, I'm more open than I normally am. I'm, yeah. I'm praying harder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right? I mean, you, you, you go. Th- you, you're facing the unknown ahead of you. You're going. You're gonna. If you're a believer, you're gonna f- go to your knees in prayer um, with more intensity, perhaps, than you normally do when things are just sort of in the ru- normal routine. But I think. Uh, the first thing I would say, and then I'll just 
I could say a lot, but I'll I'll say this. <laughs> you then. are a preacher. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say this, and then I'll, I'll let you guys feed back on it. Um, I think one of the most important things is to root our thinking in Scripture. And that's mm-hmm. what we tried to do yesterday was after the announcement is we went to the book of Acts, and we looked at transition in Acts. Yep. And how how was the Lord using that, and what can we conclude is normal and proper and biblical for any local church going through transition like this. Um, and when you look at the life of Jesus, it is, it is amazing to me. You know, I've been spending a lot of time in the gospel of John and every time I'm in a gospel, just in my own personal reading, I'm amazed at just how Jesus seems to root everything he is thinking and doing in scripture. Right. I mean, everything from the temptation in the wilderness, he's right from the get-go, he's going, it is written, to when Judas is going to betray him, it is written. Yep. When he's on the cross, he's quoting Psalm 22. Yep. He's just everything, good and bad, hard and happy, he is rooting his thinking in Scripture. And I think that when we face transition uh, in a local church, that's the best thing we can do. When a worship leader is leaving or coming in, or you know, um, we're 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 going to go from one service to two service, or we're going to start a new campus, or whatever. We're going into a building program. I think that's the first question we ought to ask: is where how what's going on in our fellowship and in our hearts and minds, and how can we root how we're going to go about this in our thinking and feeling in Scripture? I think that's that's huge. It's important. Hmm. So, feedback on that. Go for I mean, it, John. I wholeheartedly, absolutely agree. Um, I uh, the only the only uh, little uh, aside that I would that I would add is uh, root it accurately in Scripture. Um, mm-hmm. I, oh yeah, I got in some hot water with one of our uh, with one of our pastoral staff a number of years ago. Um, Really, for multiple reasons, but pretty much I stood up during a <laughs> congregational meeting as a member of the church board, mind you, and uh, called him out for misuse of scripture. Um, and <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, if anyone who, who's listening is wondering what sort of person John actually is, that's the kind of person I actually am. Um, <laughs> and it, but were you meet- at least right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay, you want to finish off this segment for us, Bradley? You got something? Well, you know, I, I think what I would just say is, here's where I am currently living in Scripture mm-hmm. in terms of like, Lord, how do I navigate this transition? I mean, I, I, I told my wife just we were praying together the other morning, and I just said, you know. In some ways, I, I feel like I don't know exactly what to ask the Lord for. Yeah. Um, like what, you know, I, I don't really have this clear picture of, okay, now in the wake of this transition that's coming, here's what, what we need to do first. Like, I, I feel like I have a clear sense of the questions we need to ask, but I don't really have a clear sense of the answers yet. Um, and there's a part of me as a leader that feels like, if I'm in that place, I must not be doing my job. You know, like I, I start to question myself. It's like I don't know exactly what the next step is. 
Um, there's a little bit of a of an expectation that since you're a pastor, you should be like a spiritual Superman. Exactly. Like I, you know, and and you go through the Bible and you read about Peter having this vision, and uh, that leads him to Cornelius's house, or um, you know, they're, they're just these massive ways in which Jesus just steps right into the middle of a situation or excuse me, a person's life, and he just says, do this. Like, you know, he shows up to Ananias, and he says, go pray for Saul that he might recover his sight. You know, it's like, that's just massive. And yeah. I haven't had one of those experiences, but I love this in Acts 16, uh, verse 6. It says, and they went through the region of Phygeria and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And a little context is that, you know, Paul, Paul just decides this is the beginning of his second missionary journey. He's like, let's just go to the, the churches that we planted and see how they're doing. Um, and the first missionary journey certainly included some persecution, but the, the pattern was we go in the synagogue, we preach to the Jews, uh, go, you know, Gentiles get saved, uh, persecution, but a lot of mass conversions. And so they, they try to go to Phygeria and Galatia, they're forbidden by the Spirit. And when when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So they're trying to do yeah. stuff, and and it's it, like those words are interesting to me. Forbidden by the Spirit, um, Jesus did not allow them. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't sound like Jesus just showed up, you know, audibly, visibly, and said, "Nope, don't do that." It feels like circumstantial to me. It feels like yep. maybe there was just hindrances and obstacles that they were facing. And so passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas and, and, and a vision. So, okay, so here's a vision Paul has in the night. A man from Macedonia was standing there urging them, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And we, probably most of us know the rest of the story. They go over to Macedonia, and there's no man there. Right. There's some women doing laundry by the sea. And, you know, I, I, I think, why is that? You know, if, if Paul's thinking was, my pattern of ministry is going to a synagogue in a leading city, preach the gospel, I know persecution will come, but Gentiles will get saved. Right. Well, in order for there to be a synagogue, there had to be 10 Jewish, 10 people, 10 men mm-hmm. that were Jewish so apparently in this, you know, they end up in Philippi, obviously, but the, the, in this particular place, there weren't 10 either converts or Jewish men there. So there was no synagogue. And I don't, mm-hmm. know, that, I don't know that Paul would have gone to Macedonia right. had he not seen a vision of a man saying, come over here and help us. Uh, and he ends up by the sea talking to some women doing laundry, and Lydia gets converted. And then mm-hmm. he casts a demon out of a fortune teller girl, ends up in prison. The whole prison gets saved, and one of Paul's favorite churches, I think, gets planted there. Yep. And, and at the end of, when, when Paul has that vision, this is what it says. Um, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we saw up to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I love that word, concluding. 
They just looked at the circumstances and they went, you know what? I think this is what Jesus is leading us to do. There's some reasoning going on there. There's some reasoning going on there. And that's so helpful to me because, I, I mean, I would say that's true for a lot of us is that we're just simply trying to follow Jesus's lead and pray, listen, look, what's he doing? Uh, what obstacles are in our way? What doors seem to be opening? And let's just go with that and trust that Jesus knows what he's doing. And lo and behold, a significant church gets planted in Philippi because they just simply concluded, all right, we can't go here. We can't go there. Paul's had a vision of a man in Macedonia. We get over there. There's no synagogue. Well, here's some women by the sea. Let's tell them about Jesus. And here we yeah. go. Yeah. You know, it's like, I appreciate that, and that's, that's a great place for me to live in Scripture. And I think when you're going through transition of any sort, just if you don't have the answers, don't be scared of that. Pray, listen, and trust. Romans 8, the sons of God are led by the Spirit. That's not in question. We are being led, and Jesus knows what he's doing, and we can just follow step by step what he's leading us to do in those transitions. We'll be able to worship through the transition. We'll be able to, you know, our faith will grow in the transition as opposed to trying to take matters into our own hands, which is something I struggle with. So, Oh, yeah. Let's leave it there and move on to the Inquisition, shall we? Yeah. Now it's time for our Inquisition. The Inquisition is uh, our weekly segment of listener questions submitted via the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. Uh, let's start with a fun one from Brad Speed. If you had to choose between Gongam Style or Friday by Rebecca Black to listen to on repeat for one entire workday, what would it be? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure how to answer that question. Uh, I don't even know the uh, other song. You don't know Friday by Rebecca Black? It's Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. It's a conspiracy song it's, about the assassination of John F. Kennedy Jr. Um, or John F. Kennedy, not Jr. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm not, it's I'm a not train kidding. wreck, is yeah. what it is. Yeah. Oh my look at gosh. the uh, Look at the up the. Uh, the I know Gongam style. Theories. I think. Yeah. Whoop a Gundam style. Yeah. Okay, so here, here's my criteria. Smart dogs can't stop. Sorry, is it I'm on to repeat? up on YouTube. Is it on repeat for the entire day, or can I control at exactly which circumstances it starts? Or, if it is playing all day, can I, like, at any point, almost like a live DJ... Do the hook of the song. Like if it's just playing, you know, playing in the round, and like, like I have a conversation with somebody, and like I have a mic drop moment, and I can just like think and I'm like, oopa, Gotham style, and then walk out of the room. <laughs> I mean, I think that'd be pretty fun. I don't know. I think I would, uh, I'd go with Gangnam Style for a couple of reasons. One, because Friday is objectively a terribly written song. Yeah, the only reason it got any kind of virality to it was because it was terrible. And it's fun <laughs> to make fun of. Gangnam Style, while I'm not into K-pop or anything of the sort, uh, it's, it's well produced, you know, so give them that. But... 
It's also in a foreign language that I don't know, so I'll be able to tune it out easier. There you go. Okay. Mm. This makes this is weird, but like it makes me think of that. Here would be a better idea. Is like in like if you work in an office setting or whatever. Yeah. Is like some, something like if every time one person coughs, the other has to go Gangnam style, or you know, like that Office <laughs> episode where. Every time Jim did a certain thing, Dwight had to do jazz hands or something <laughs> <laughs> because he—I I forget the context, but uh, I don't know. My my brain went off on a tangent there. Sorry. You just have to play it through like the Office hey, PA system. <laughs> unrelated, but it it popped into my head. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go look up the uh, um, Hello Pussycat stand-up uh, uh, joke. I can't remember who the comedian is, uh, but. It's it's a good one. Hello Pussycat mm. about the actual song by Tom Jones, Hello Pussycat. So go go okay. check it out. It's a it's a good one. Alrighty. So a couple of questions to end us on. They're they actually end up kind of relating. Uh Justin Doherty, uh how should a church handle accusations of problematic practices or even heresy uh regarding a member's ministry that's not necessarily within the church? Maybe they're a Christian counselor. Maybe they have like a parachurch ministry. Maybe they're feeding people, something like that. And and someone has an issue uh, with what they're doing, what they're saying in connection with that ministry. And they're a member of the church. And they're a member of the church. Yeah. We. So I, I think I think the question is the person who has the problem and the person uh, being accused of something problematic within their ministry they're both members of this church hmm well i think if the if the ministry itself is outside the church but that person is a member of the church then i think i think that's and again i don't know what the leadership structure of this church is like but that would be an elder issue here at res yeah because they're a member of the church yeah the 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 call in romans 16 from paul was you know don't associate with divisive smooth talkers. I mean, and these are people that Mm -hmm. are not out there saying things that are blatantly heretical. When you look at the language Paul uses, these are people that are saying things that are subtle, but are heretical and potentially divisive to the church. And what you've already got there is you've got division arising in the church. Because there's two, at least two members that, you know, one is looking at the other going, that's not right. And the other's like, yes, it is. And they've got this ministry that's built on perhaps wrong doctrine. Um, that's division. And I yeah. think that's dangerous. And I think it would be um, a church discipline issue because they're a member. Um, right. If they're not a member of the congregation, they're just attending. I don't know that there's much you can or should do about it necessarily unless other members of the church are getting caught up in this uh, other ministry detached from the local church. Um, I think that would just be something to watch and be careful of. But elders are called to shepherd, mm-hmm. and a, a shepherding approach to that kind of thing would be to call the member in and say, "Look, this ministry is not biblical." Yeah, um, and that's got to change if you want to remain in fellowship here. Right. I think I think a good first step for the person who has the issue would be to ask the person with the issue clarifying questions absolutely yeah uh where i I jumped to the end rather than right but yeah right where where this member like i don't know really anything regarding the situation but sometimes 
you know, we can use terms that problematic people, you know, say the NAR or something like that, where they have used certain terms, uh, but that person does not mean that at all. Exactly. We're, we're here at Res. If you go to our website, one of our core values is treasure hunting. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about treasure hunting in the Bible, yep. where the NAR will use treasure hunting in the sense of just walking around downtown hunting for treasure and that they're waiting for God to say, hey, go talk to that guy and, you know, grow their leg out. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> where, where if somebody was being super sensitive about that term, then they could, you know, a red flag could pop up. But a simple question of what do you mean by that can mm. really avoid a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of heartache down the road. Any church discipline situation should begin with a lot of conversation and clarifying questions. Right. You know, like, oh, absolutely. And I think yeah. hopefully if this person's in membership of that local church and it's clear that something um, aberrant is happening in this ministry over here, um, it wouldn't take much conversation and clarifying questions to sort of bring that into the light and go, hey, this is incongruent. This is not this is mm-hmm. not what we're about. This is not what the Bible is about. And you know, what are we going to do about this? Because, um, and and I'm not saying that's easy. I'm not trying to oversimplify no. because that there, there can be, especially if like this ministry that's, you know, sort of its own entity is their livelihood, their source of income. Um, that can get really sticky. But um, I think one thing that's clear in Scripture is that we we cannot we cannot tolerate. Um, things that are unbiblical uh, yeah. in the life of the church. It's going to be divisive every time, and that's that's just we can't. We've got to lovingly guard and protect our unity and 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 our doctrine. Yep. You got anything, John, other than a nod? It's a solid nod, though. I mean, <laughs> ain't, ain't no ain't nobody going to turn up their nose at that nod. Mm. True that. True that. Brian Morris, final question. How should we respond? And, I mean, it seems like a clarifying question kind of thing again. How should we respond if the spouse of one of our church's staff members stops attending church? Mm. Like that That sounds like a, a heavy situation, assuming mm. that's not hypothetical or theoretical. Mm. Um, the, what's, what's up? Are they, are they super sick? They got narcolepsy? <laughs> or are they bailing on the faith? Um, and then I guess you, your path from there would differ depending on the answer, right? Mm. What you got, John? You got anything? Oh man, um, <laughs> you know you, you're you were definitely right when you introduced the last one about you know them being connected uh, because I believe that this one uh, needs to start with uh, communication as well. I mean. And, and also, you know, we're missing a bit of context here. It's like, have they completely stopped attending church? Are they attending a different church? Um, and conversation and shepherding, you know, obviously should be the, the first thing. Um, because there just could be a, a heart issue, you know, that's that's mm-hmm. driven them yep. to... Uh, or, you know, a rerun of their favorite show. You know, I don't know. Like, I don't know this person, you know. Maybe they need their soaps. I don't know. <laughs> you know, when I was in when I was in college, um, on basically on campus, there was a local church that um, 
at that time, and again, this was back in the mid to late 90s, uh, all the resident students had to go to church there. It was required that you go there on Sunday. And the lead pastor of the church um, was relatively new. He had, you know, moved there, I think, maybe a year or two prior to me coming to school. And what became obvious and was being talked about in the the church was that his wife <clears throat> rarely, if ever, came to church. Mm. And she they they were natives of some some town in, in North Carolina where her her family was rooted and they had this was the first time she had moved away from that in her life. And she just was very, very unhappy in that city, in, oh, in man. that town. Um, and she was very, very unhappy. She, she was sort of a shy type and didn't make friends easily and just was very uncomfortable, um, could not get settled. And they ended up moving back to another town in North Carolina um, not long after I graduated, maybe. Um, maybe even before I graduated, they moved back to a town that was pretty close to her hometown in North Carolina. He took another church there. But... Um, I just say all that to say is that I think the first step is to approach it as a pastoral care issue. Like there, there among the staff and the elders, there should be some real attempts to approach the that staff member and his spouse with you know just an attitude of care. You know, pastoral care. What's going on? Like what what's happening there? Because there could be it's it, not necessarily that she might be falling away from the faith. It might just be that there's something significant going on in there in her life or her heart, mind, whatever, that she just needs attention and care. Um, yeah. And so, and hopefully you already have a church culture where maybe that's already been brought up absolutely. in the first place. Absolutely. But that's hard, man, because that puts that staff member in, a, in an awkward position and, mm-hmm. and people are, you know, hesitant to, um, ask questions. But, um, I think for the sake of care, um, someone that that person might trust should go and say, Hey, what's going on with your wife? And can, how can I pray for you? And just start there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's uh, leave it there. I suppose uh, you can follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Make sure you leave a five star review. You can support the show at anchor.fm where you can donate money and help us improve. If you pledge to donate $10 a month for a year, you get your choice of a Piper drive version two Wickla fuzz or new this week the pink trouble booster uh which does sound pretty fantastic yeah john john is a big fan of the pink trouble get your i am too get your spice get your spice (laughs) um (laughs) thanks for listening (laughs) Bye. bye